0: here and justin i never really say my name first i I think it's really unnatural and uh i don't think i'm gonna keep doing that i I think i'd rather just wait for you to call me alex my name uh justin needs
1: no introduction
0: like like have you have you ever said justin on this podcast you know what i mean like that'd, that'd be weird
1: that's true i don't know how frequently i say my own name
0: Uh, uh, someone who's not here to say their own name, Uh, Caleb's not here again. Uh, Just us two, middle of the week, Uh, just giving you the old uh, "waza" week five kind of treatment. Man. (sighs) Justin, what has been more annoying this week? Has it been that knowing that in the college football news cycle, with everything else that may or may not annoy you, may or may not intrigue you, depending on what you're looking at, What's been more annoying of a subject? Is it whether or not the new expanded playoff will be six plus six or five plus seven? Or realignment should it happen?
1: The realignment stuff's more annoying to me. Especially midseason. I mean in the playoff at least, like is sort of related to what's currently happening I guess so doesn't bother me as much but they're both very annoying Alex
0: holy if you were the one in charge uh, what how would you what what would be like your top five stories of what's going on in or around college football what what would you say uh, should be the lead stories that we should be paying
1: attention to uh Washington State, would take the top bill um i think that's the coolest story in college football at the moment um utah and ucla played like a really sick game it was a 14-7 like slugfest i think ucla has a really really good defense that's something i think people should probably be talking about um notre dame Number three, it seems like there's more film surfacing on Twitter that they played with 10 men on the field more than just that last play or that against last Ohio game. State. Yeah, so it seems like they, apparently they had played with 10 men on the field one time in, in one play versus Tennessee State and almost gave up a touchdown on the play. Um, so that's just you know kind of funny. Uh, Minnesota lost to Northwestern. So Ben Bryant uh, has a transitive win over Eastern Michigan.
0: Congratulations.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's... <laughs> You know, that's pretty cool. Uh, Minnesota has to play Louisiana this week. uh, And I I don't know if that's not exactly a get right type opponent. Um, Kansas and Texas play this week, uh, which I'm really excited about because we, as we all know, Texas aspires to be as good as football, be as good at football as Kansas. As of late, that hasn't been true. Kansas has had their number. Um, And freaking Oregon, man. I know a lot of people are focused on like the Colorado angle, even in defeat and like credit to Deion Sanders. Like he's, I think it's funny watching the media, like get tripped up when he like acts like an actual football coach. It's really funny watching like post-game interviews where they're trying to get like some soundbite out of him. I'm particularly like really intrigued by his like in-game interviews, like before halftime and stuff. And he's just doing like the usual coach speak and they're all like trying to get a soundbite. And he's like, no, I'm just coaching a football game, man. Um, but Oregon's freaking tough. Um, and I thought that they really like. Did you see that highlight video, that cinematic like highlight video they put out about the game
0: for uh, for Oregon?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like they were like absolutely prepared to whip ass and they delivered. Um, there's just something really cool about that where a team just basically calls their shot. Um, and executes. I think that's pretty cool. Um in the G five um world, um, I think like the best G five story right now is Undefeated Air Force. Schedule's been a little bit easy, but I'm really excited to like get on the Air Force for New Year's Six train.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised you don't have like more Dion in uh in your you know in your top stories. Not because I think that you should or should not be you know, super intrigued or impressed or entertained by you should be entertained. You absolutely. If you're not entertained by Colorado, you're you're actually you're you don't belong. Like you're not a fan. You're not a fan if you're not entertained by it. But you don't have to be impressed by it either. Um. But if you if you like you're involved with, like I have to lead the media. I have to tell you what the biggest stories in America are. That means that uh, Dion's friends and family know uh, where I live and they're going to show up in my house if they don't, if he's not like the number one or two
1: story. Something to consider. Maryland's 4-0. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, see, you don't want. Yeah, exactly. See, you don't want Big Turtle showing up either.
1: Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anybody that I'm missing here. Uh, uh, You're missing Akron
0: taking Indiana to the ropes. That's what you're oh missing. My. DJ Iron's turnaround story. Is that is that what's going on here? What?
1: Get Joe Moorhead a kicker, man. That's I mean, they just they did everything. I think they had the higher post-game win expectancy too. Like it's like like the opposite of what we're used to with Akron. They they didn't get outplayed. They outplayed Indiana and they lost. Um just <laughs> very unfortunate circumstance for them but we ended up not being wrong on this here podcast about the big 10 streak being over it's officially over now i don't think we're missing any other games
0: but we were wrong before we were not wrong that's true we were temporarily wrong yeah that's exactly how it happened
1: We are temporarily wrong
0: <laughs> just, just just one of those things
1: <laughs> our twitter dms like all saturday were like wait fuck and then like just Going back and forth as like, oh my god, they're actually gonna do it. We're we're gonna look like stupider than usual. Oh, it's okay. It's okay.
0: I I put I I made I made sure I put in the the correction before the episode went out. But it was uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those things. I also I'm gonna be honest. Um, so like I went to my friend's house, watched all the games on you know all Saturday, um, but because the new overtime rules as of when did they change last? Twenty twenty one, when they did the exchanging two point conversions and yeah, something like that. That's where I lose patience and I just don't, I don't watch it. So after the second overtime, I left.
1: I I too do not enjoy the two point shootout on the overtime.
0: That's that part is like super
1: unwatchable. I would rather games end in ties than that.
0: can't find the win expect- the postgame win expectancy totals. Oh, I'll try to find those in a little bit. Um, week four is in the books. Let's just let me read through some of the scores really quickly. Uh, and then once I get through that, you just shout out the first game that really, really pops out that is really important to talk about. Um, obviously, Akron lost to Indiana. Uh, the second most famous trident in college football this past weekend. Indiana, right?
1: That's that's true. Uh 29 to
0: 27 in four overtimes Four, whatever you think of them overtimes. Uh Eastern lost to Jacksonville State 21 nothing, Tulsa beat NIU 22 to 14. Uh more non-conference play before I get to the conference games. Uh Georgia Southern 40, Ball State 3, Miami Ohio 62 looking like Toledo out there. Uh, Delaware State, 20. Central Michigan came back. T- and actually, I, I wouldn't call it really a comeback win. Like Central played really, really well. Uh, 34-30 over South Alabama. Louisiana beat Buffalo, 45-38. Fresno State, 53. Kent State, 10. And in action. Uh, Toledo, 49. Western, 31. Ohio, 38. Bowling Green, 7. Justin, what was the most important thing that happened
1: this weekend? Uh, Daquan Finn got hurt. Yep. Um, yeah. We, we don't know. It, damn it. Yeah. We, we don't know the extent of the injury, right? Um, but encouraging for them is that, um, Tucker Gleason looks really good. Um, if you heard any of the postgame interviews with like Juwan Newton, they're very, very confident. Um, uh, in what Gleason brings to the table. Um, I'm not gonna say the offense was, I mean, it definitely performed better after Finn went out, but I think it's um never gonna say that an offense is better <laughs> when Daquan Finn isn't playing because it's just simply not true, especially at the high end. But I think Western Michigan had a what I thought was a really, really good game plan for Daquan Finn. Um, they didn't let him get out and run too much, and they forced him into creating turnovers and WMU had four takeaways. Um, not all the results of uh Finn, but They did not have an answer when a quarterback that wanted to just kind of hit the open guys over the middle and take the easy stuff came in, Um, and Gleason really ripped WMU apart, um, made the defense look like how we expected it to look. Um, A pretty good showing from WMU, but just uh, obviously not enough. There's just too much firepower for Toledo, even with a backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. Penny Boone was sensational. I don't know how anybody tackles that guy. He's averaging over seven and a half yards per carry. I love Penny Boone. uh, I've loved him ever
0: since he was a high school recruit.
1: Yeah, and it's fantastic for him because he was like a lot of the preseason magazines kind of had him slipping down the depth chart, right? And that could not be farther from the case. Like he's very obviously the best running back in that room right now. Probably the best in the MAC. Um, You know, not to be outdone though, Jalen Buckley had a really good game for Western Michigan. I think if he's they're they're giving him a lot of carries. I think if he stays healthy. Uh, he's going to be, um, you know, he's the he's the rushing yards leader in the MAC right now. He's um, breaking a lot of big runs. He has, you know, th- three runs over sixty yards or something like that. I think, um, at least over forty yards. Uh, he's a he's a big play threat for them, and uh, Western's going to need it because they cannot throw the ball worth a damn. Um, and if they don't figure that out, they're they're going to lose maybe the rest of their games. We'll find out this weekend.
0: But okay. Worst case scenario for Western, I wonder. I wonder what you think about this. If their if their passing offense gets so bad, and it's it's week seven now, and they can't like they couldn't like like hit water if they were standing in the middle of the ocean, kind of bad. Do you think they say screw it and just like keep forcing themselves to throw themselves into completions at some point? Or do you think they're just going to, like, run the clock out uh, on the season at some point?
1: So we've seen this before with Western. Like, I guess I shouldn't say recently, but in 2017, they had the same problem. They had a quarterback who couldn't, like, couldn't throw. Like, they had a very similar situation, and all they did was just hand it off to Bogan and Franklin. And they went 6-6. and But the difference between that team and this team is that 2017 team had basically the entire returning Cotton Bowl defense. Uh, This one does not. Um, so things could turn pretty ugly. This team probably doesn't have a lot of choice other than to try to like chew clock, right? R- run 90 plays and hold the ball and, and hang on for dear life. One thing that it has shown the last two weeks is that defensively, they can really create turnovers. Can I lovely had a really sick force fumble scoop and score. Um, he's been kind of a revelation for that secondary. The secondary has been not that bad when they're near the ball. Um, but yeah, offensively, it's just it's going to be a struggle. Um, you have to throw the ball; uh, they can't, and I, I just don't see it getting much better.
0: Yeah, that really sinks. I, they had a couple of defensive scores too, right? Western did.
1: Yeah, they had, they had the, the scoop and score for sure. I can't remember if they had a second one, but they definitely had that. And then they had the you know the turnovers created short fields for them um quarterback play kind of played them out of field goal range once or they played them off the goal line into a field goal um and then went for it on fourth down they drew a really good play had a tight end open in the back of the end zone 4k uh skied it and missed him um so that's you know 10 points off the board in an 18 point game doesn't really matter but um you know could have changed the flow of that game at least uh for big stretches of the game western had control i will say the um the optimist case for WMU is looking around at uh, just gesturing wildly at the rest of the Mac West beyond Toledo. The optimist in me is like, there's no reason they can't beat any of the other teams in the division. Sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Plus plus they have Bowling Green on the schedule. So I would, I wouldn't put it past, like if you're a WMU fan who wants to like start thinking about bowl games, like go ahead. It's early. Why not? That's what this part of the season is for. Um, You know, for as bad as they expected the team to be, you saw flashes of how bad they can be. But you also saw something in them that, you know, maybe there's a proof of concept here with Lance Taylor and gang. Um, At the very least, it's good to see that that sort of defensive style has carried over a little bit. They're giving up a lot of points and they're going to because they're not that great. But a Louis Pazito defense wants to create havoc. They want to get in the backfield. They want to create turnovers in the last two weeks against Iowa and Toledo. They've done that. Um, So... There's no reason to think they can't beat any of the other teams in the rest of Mac West. They won't. They're not gonna run the table the rest of the way in a division, but there's no reason to not dream.
0: Schedule game. So here's why not. All right. Here's why you should like not like not 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 bank on going bowling just yet. Like I, I get what you're saying. Like the Mac West looks pretty beatable, but you're not let's just look at these next few games. One and three right now. Then you face Ball State. Then you're at Mississippi State uh, to get to the midpoint of the year. You're looking at probably two two and four right there, right? Split those two.
1: Yeah, this hinges entirely on... Like, if you want them to go bowling, they have to sweep the rest of their Mac West games and beat Bowling Green. And then you're at six and six.
0: So after you go two and four, perhaps, home against Miami at Ohio... Okay, you're looking pretty bad right there. And then you probably have to sweep the rest of those games at Eastern versus Central at NIU and then uh home against Bowling Green.
1: And it's that last stretch where they could like make a push. And if you're a team in a year one situation, like that's about the time of year you saw it kind of with Akron last year. Like that's when you're gonna see them kind of come together and sort of figure things out. So it's probably the best point of the year to have all of those games. Yeah, and you um, know
0: what? I, I can buy into that because I like getting into that school of thought where like year one head coach, November is like your time to shine when everybody else is looking down. You guys are just like, you guys are still grinding. If you're, if you're doing that, then I like your chances heading into year two. And so for Lance Taylor, that is going to be what it is like, Hey, and and I, I could see it shaping up to be that way. Like, Hey, we, you have to win out and we're going to, there is, we're we're not gonna like worry about it. We're just gonna go out there and we're just gonna fight the best that we can. And wouldn't you know it's against uh the best part of the, you know, the schedule to do it.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I mean, like, they they get a chance Saturday to prove they're not the worst team in the Mac West. We'll see if it's ball state. And I guess we can pivot there because Ball State certainly looks like the worst team in the Mac West right now. Um Georgia Southern came into this game with the 130th ranked Defense by SP Plus. I don't know what they are now. Probably a little bit better after winning 40 to 3 and not giving up anything but a sad field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, it just feels like if you cannot move the ball on that defense, no amount of lightning of the schedule and Mac play is going to help you. Now Western defense might be just what the doctor orders, but oh man. It's looking grim right now, so I, th- I think like for both of these teams, it has a potential to be a really good game this weekend because, God, both these teams need it so bad. Yeah,
0: yeah, they do. Yeah, Ball State needs to just, ugh, good lord, Speaking of teams twice. that can't
1: throw the ball. Like they, they don't. They have quarterback issues too right now. They had quarterback issues last year. Uh, Paddock was pretty accurate, but just not really, you know.
0: And like when the quarterback. Head coached teams, right? Like Ball State is with Mike New, like Eastern is with Chris Creighton. Like when those teams have their quarterback room struggling, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of like worry about them a little bit more, cause it's, it's a little bit bad. But like we've, we kind of talked about it before. We're like the, I don't know, man. Like transfer portal might have had something to do with it. But still, like there's no, it's it's almost like inexcusable for the passing offense to be like kind of as bad as like it has been uh, so far. Like for Ball State, just looking at like its team page on ESPN, like five for six, 5.6 uh, yards per attempt, 60% completion. That's not really blowing the doors off anybody. Uh, three touchdowns, five interceptions. Can't have that. Can't have that. Uh, Marquez Cooper hasn't been able to blow up either forgot about him didn't you didn't you
1: I told you but I tried to tell you about that offensive line you said they might be a little bit better but I mean all signs are pointing because we know Marquez Cooper can really tote the tote the rock right listen, so my, like we, my theory
0: is my theory okay and like yeah, yeah. listen if you're going to be a little bit more one dimensional you're going to be uh, you're, you're not going to have John that much
1: success John Paddock is sitting in sh- champagne saying see see told you uh, only 17 offensive points scored in the second half of games by uh, this week, this last weekend by Western Boston and Eastern. Um, Eastern got shut out. Um, was that a, from your vantage point, was that a deserved shutout? Or was it just like, eh? I mean, defensively, not bad, but like, why wasn't Eastern Michigan able to score this weekend?
0: They. As as I said on my other podcast, like, right now they're in a position where they have two quarterbacks that they like, and neither of them are actually D1 starter level ready right now. Like, Austin Smith, as I've noted before, even before the season, like, this season was the time for him to shine, the time for him to prove that, you know, Eastern has been moving at this rate as a team that's been moving towards Detroit, wants to prove that last year's 9-4 and four record was not really a fluke and that they can, you know, repeat some of the big moments that they had and actually capitalize on its fourth quarter lead over Toledo and actually, like, come away, come away with the win this time to get into Detroit and, like, finally make that happen. And a lot of that had to hinge on the quarterback doing its part. Even with all the moving parts around them, like, the confidence was there that, you know, the receivers are going to, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They always do. You know, the running back room, it's, it's its stable. That's great. Best that I've seen. Defense as a whole has been good. Offensive line, moving parts. But, you know, if there's some success through the air, then it can mask some uh, mistakes at the O-line if they happen. And right now, like, the passes are just not being totally complete. You know, the O-line has some, some blame to be had this year, but i don't know man the quarterback play from either one of those guys ike and austin smith it just hasn't been there it just hasn't been there and that's that's really it like that's the long and the short of it i could go longer but then it's just being really really mean
1: oh we won't make you go longer then. uh not not that i want to be mean
0: but you know what i mean like the longer you go, like it's i only have we only have
1: so much time on this planet um a directional Michigan that seems to have maybe figured out their quarterback room. Central Michigan. They figured oh. out
0: something, man. Like I was watching okay. a little bit. Like I kind of I don't I don't think I uh gave enough respect to the work that's been done with Jace Bauer. Like I don't think he's like mm-hmm. super perfect either. Like he's I think he has like more interceptions than touchdowns this
1: year. Yeah. Leads um, the Mac in rushing touchdowns. Shit,
0: yeah, man. But like that last game was really that that kid's got some cojones. That that's what he plays uh, with.
1: Eleven plays, 75 yards uh to ice the game for with a touchdown uh with 13 seconds left. Just that's a fantastic win. South Alabama's been playing very, very well. They were a you know three score favorite going into the game. They deserved to be, especially like seeing how Central had been playing. Like two teams heading in completely opposite directions, and CMU just went on the road and got it done. Like that's the shit you're looking for from a Jim McElwain team. Like if they're gonna be everything that you expect them to be, that's what you want to see. I'm cautious about saying like, oh, that you know they've turned a corner and stuff, because like all those other games still count too. I don't know that they've just like fixed everything, but yeah, you're right. Jace Bauer's got guts, and they <laughs> they figured it out in this game. Neither team played particularly great defensively, but like. With the Akron Indiana game aside, this was you know probably the game of the week for the Mac.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Jace Bauer, like like I said, played with a shit ton of guts, man. Like, like if you actually like watch him play, like you'll watch him like run away from pressure. You, like he is a guy that understands that his frame is a weapon, and that's how football is played. And he does it at the quarterback position. Like he welcomes the hits, and he will. You know, make a hit and try to run away from it to still try to make his pass. Like he's, I don't know, man. Like he's not perfect. He's not a perfect passer. Uh, He doesn't have, I I wouldn't say the it factor. I don't. I wouldn't say he has the goods, but he's got some goods. You know, he's still kind of like a rising redshirt sophomore. Um, I'm still kind of surprised that like I'm, that I like him as much as I do. Because after seeing him live last year, I didn't, I didn't see it. I still don't really totally see it as a passer this year. Um, oh, is that one is that is that a other thing is that the is that the other thing is that the other thing is that the other thing is that the I thing to that the season thing is that the that up other thing is that the other thing is that the other thing is that out other thing is that the other thing the other the other the receiver for Central Michigan the 17. the receiver that kid, man, I'm blanking on his name, but that kid is something else. Like, he is a real, real threat.
1: Pruitt? Yes. Pruitt, yeah. Jesse Pruitt, the third. True, yep. <laughs> yep. Um, they did need an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty to continue that game-winning drive, but yeah, the point stands, like, that the, you get the Jace Bauer drive. Um, just, that's, uh, regardless yeah. of what happens this season, you always have that.
0: He 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 runs the best play in football, which is the quarterback the the quarterback sneak. He runs it to perfection. He's one of those guys. You can do that with him. That's mm-hmm. one of those goods that he has.
1: Ten catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown for the third. Quite a day.
0: I'm trying to get you excited for a good-looking Central Michigan, and it might happen through number 17.
1: Oh, I won't I won't be excited about it. Again, I'm trying to be as objective as possible here because I, I can't just I can't make a living just shitting on them the whole time in my public life. I got
0: some news for you, man. You're not gonna make a living off this podcast. Uh okay, the best game that actually happened. Ohio's defense beat Bowling Green. Holy shit, man. <laughs> what a
1: game. Yeah. Ripped them apart.
0: They had two scooping scores. Bowling Green only had one touchdown. Uh, you, you're you the one that told me that Bowling Green looked competent. This is the first time I actually like, <laughs> paid attention to it. Uh, and yes, yes, you know what I love to see out there? Tarion Stewart, bro. That guy is cutting it up. He is looking good as ever. Uh, best shape of his life. It is such yeah. a shame that, like, his 12 carries, 107 yards, one touchdown. He had a really good day, but it was unfortunately hidden by, you know, the school that he has to play for still. But man Yeah, that- you
1: consider the defensive performance Ohio had, like you wouldn't expect to see a running back with 12 and 107. But that's how good he is. It's about the best thing that you know we can say about them though. Uh saw something interesting. I think it was in the Toledo Blade. I am blanking on the author. I apologize. Um wrote something about and there was some like quotes from Scott Loeffler about Bowling Green's schedule. Um, just talking about it brought up a good point in general about like these Mac teams taking all these buy games. Bowling Green has one of like the third lowest athletic budgets in FBS. Um, just slightly higher than Akron's. Um, and so they're kind of relying on these paycheck games. But what happens is your team gets all banged up. I can't imagine a worse recipe than like having to go play Michigan at the big house and then have to turn around and play this Ohio defense. Um Something to keep an eye on, like the Bowling Green team definitely feels like they're better than what they showed on Saturday, but I mean, that's what Scott Loeffler's paid to do is make his team better, (laughs) feel like it's better than what they show on any given day, Um, but then they sandwich it between they gotta go play Georgia Tech, this is like Kent State aside this is the toughest three game stretch I think that any MAC team is facing this season or will face in most seasons Um, it's a, you know it's something to discuss going forward about like how the Mac schedules these games as the, like the landscape changes is like how worth it is all of this. Cause teams like Toledo don't do it. You know what I mean? Toledo plays one big road game. they had the Illinois game this year and then they get some home games. And I, I think to me, that's always been the better recipe. I'm not blaming it. Like, at, like Bowling Green's kind of just been like this, you know, they went six and seven last year. We're not talking about a team that's like, Coming off a nine-win season, beating itself up, but like it, it, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit that like other people are taking notice that like hey, this this is a little bit absurd. These non-conference slates for these teams—they're uh, I... they're almost a waste of time. They're certainly not a waste of money, but they might be a, a waste of a team's time. And like, is in exchange for the two and a half million dollars they get for playing these these two Power Five games this year, like is it worth piling up all these losses and injuries, right?
0: I guess. I mean, the thing is, is like they know like everybody in charge of like making those paychecks happen. They know that's why they're called body bag games. Um, not not, you know, out there in the press conferences, but like out here in the streets. You know, that's why they're called body bag games for a reason. Uh, when those games dry up, that'll be. In the future, when. The changing like landscapes of college football make it so that, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC in their expanded looks are going to be playing fewer non-conference games and they're going to have like fewer opportunities to feel like they should have to do charity work because that's what they really feel like they're doing. Let's be honest. Like, oh, we're making your volleyball team happen because you want to play at the big house and get your ass whooped 63 to 10. So once Michigan's and once all like the big schools... Feel like their charity work doesn't have to happen anymore once they just like are kind of done and like they don't need to You know pat the stats anymore and like get to an easier 12-0 record Then that that's when like those games will kind of dry up and I, I, I'm i sure like there's I don't know if there's like been like a study of it but I'm sure like there are fewer of those now and plus with like a rising like look of parody in the sport, like there's no clear number one at the very, very top, but there's also like no clear number one at any conference either, really. You know, mm-hmm. like with the, with the way the transfer portal is kind of shaking up everybody's rosters year in and year out. I don't know. Like I don't. Yeah, that argument it's not... just doesn't
1: hold as much. Like and to be know. clear, like the players still enjoy, like the players still want to do it. Like they're not, they're not going to go away. And I think it's going to be less like. In Big Ten world, it'll be less a situation of they feel like they don't have to anymore, but more like they literally can't, because the schedules like they, they're gonna have to play bigger conference schedules to like appropriately determine a champion, right? Like in these 16 team or 20 team leagues. So yeah, these games will dry up and so will the money. Um, but you know, I I think about this every year and it, it was fun to read that piece about it because it was like yeah, I don't. I don't agree with all of it, but because I'm a Mac fan, I want to. I want to go. I want to see these teams slay giants, right? But um, at the same time, it's like, would they be better suited with more games against Marshall?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I. I'm, um, gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of do. I kind of like would rather just like sit regionally and like better matchups. Like, if I had to like, if I knew that there, I, I don't know, man. I could go for like knowing that like a playoff odds of like my Mac team is super duper low to begin with, no matter what, but the conference has gotten to a point where it expanded uh, to which, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, Western Kentucky and middle Tennessee, they play tomorrow. Um, yeah. Those two eventually get added to the Mac. Plus let's say UMass and Yukon come to their senses. They don't want to be independents anymore. Okay, fine. Let's just, let's just grab them too. Let's give Buffalo some more attention, some regional partners to work with, right? Mm -hmm. If we're able to expand from 12 to 16 and just kind of, I don't know, it's not like the biggest conference ever. Like no one really, it's still going to be super overlooked by most people. But instead of playing eight conference conference games, now we're playing nine to ten. And even our non-conference kind of, you know, plates are kind of shrinking up. And we're just dealing with only say scheduling one P five and one FCS to G five, right? Like I don't know how like Mm -hmm. that would shape up the economics, and obviously like you probably would want to like play like Georgia like at least like one more time if you can. Uh, But
1: yeah, there's a recruiting angle to it too because like not every player in Georgia is going to Georgia, exactly (laughs) or Texas or Alabama or whatever. You know, like there there are kids that. You want to go visit um, that um, like that's why Ball State went down there because Mike New has ties to Georgia and it's an easy recruiting trip. Like that's how they got the game. That's how they like. And And 75 is right there.
0: 75 is right there. It's not that bad. So like in, in terms of like a football that I want to see and things that like make sense in my head and like not thinking in terms of like what makes sense for money situations because I don't fucking care about talking about that for a second. Uh, I'd rather see a Mac where it's like 10 conference games, two non-cons just to spice things up a little bit. Um, As much as I do love all that, I don't know, man. It does suck when like when Kent State or when who else was it that um, would just like go on these like (laughs) we're going to go to Auburn and then we're going to go to Kentucky and Cal all in one season. Like that's man, that sucks. Well, that sucks. Like, how it, do you get better? Miami, like, like, like the reason, like last week we talked about, you know, Miami going two and one for the first time, like ever. Part mm-hmm. of that is like the dominance that Cincinnati's had for the past 17 years. But the other part of that is that like it gets his ass like just beat by these like big schools that like it can't really compete with year in and year out. Like it just keeps asking for it.
1: Yeah. And I, to be clear, like I'm not I'm not taking the angle that it's like oh you you just give up on these games because you don't win them enough that's not really the point the point is like like what the fuck is the money for if you're not going to get better and i think that that piece in the blade kind of hit on that with Bowling green it's like what is the point of this 2.6 million dollars if this is the team they're going to put out there right right like those games aren't making you better because you're losing 38 to 7 to ohio we know ohio is good and all that right but like You can't be in like year five or six and just and putting that level of competition on the field. Mm -hmm. And then you also can't say like, oh, well, you know, we're beat up. You know, they're lawful. not making excuses. Right. But it's like you can't be like, oh, we're beat up because of these games. And it's like. At what point do some of these schools have to figure out, like, we're we're raking in two and a half million dollars to keep our athletic department afloat and our football team sucks. Like, I think at some point you got to make like a choice. And I've argued this about Kent State for the longest time. It's like, if you want to put the bye games back on the schedule in the future, go ahead and do it. But maybe try to like, like, loosen up that schedule a bit and get some dubs. Mm-hmm. Like, stop being like, you know, stop like trying, like, being like the best six and six team in the country. Like, try to stack up some wins, build some other regional rivalries, like, do something else because. The money's obviously not fixing the the product on the field, so something I'm sure we can expand on another day. Look at us talking about realignment when we just said it annoyed us, right, Alex? I'm going to read off week five. And same thing you did to me. Tell me what catches your eye. We have Buffalo at Akron on ESPN Plus um, at noon. We have Eastern and Central Uh, at 1.30 p.m., also on ESPN Plus. Miami travels to Kent State, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. 3.30 p.m. on ACC Network Bowling Green at Georgia Tech, as we just discussed. 3.30 p.m. ESPN Plus and ESPNU. You have Ball State, Western Michigan, and NIU Toledo, respectively.
0: Man, like the Toledo-NIU just like had a heyday, didn't it? Just that game, that series just really had a heyday. What was your favorite like Toledo NIU series, At, like in your time following these two? What, what what was your favorite matchup? I think mine was the year it was twenty fourteen, I believe it was, and uh, all all of Toledo's quarterbacks were out, and it went down to Dwight Macon, who hadn't played quarterback since high school, to come over from wide receiver. And he entered and, like, came in before halftime. And I think he even got a – it was a touchdown. I don't remember if it was rushing or, or throwing. But he did have a touchdown before halftime. And that shit was awesome. But that was one of my favorite uh, toledo NIU games.
1: Feels like every single one of these games and twenty seven twenty four. There's, like, a 66-63 game in there somewhere, right? hmm 11. What year? Yeah, 2011. Um, that, was, that one was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, because that was – before or after the Western game, too?
1: Uh, yeah, the week before. Um, and then Toledo wins 66-63 the following week. That one's probably my favorite because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, Toledo wasn't really playing that type of game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then it was, like, bang. That was, like, peak action, right? That really um,
0: was. That, that like, Maxion hashtag Maxion really
1: needed that moment to happen. Yeah, in consecutive weeks too. Uh, that was a, another one of those like very good Toledo teams that didn't finish the job. Talk about like the schedule grind. Like that year, uh, Toledo played at number fifteen Ohio State and versus they got a home game versus number four Boise State. Um, they lost forty to fifteen, but they only lost to Ohio State by five. How times have changed. Uh, and then a thirty-three to thirty overtime loss to Syracuse. Oh, what could have been. Um, of course, during that NIU juggernaut, you can't lose to the NIU. You have to you basically had to go eight zero in the MAC. It was a really fun time in the MAC, where like a lot of teams were really good. But you, if you weren't eight zero, it didn't matter. That whole stretch from like 2010 to 2015 was pretty good. So
0: is Rocky Lombardi playing Saturday? Like that's that's my question. We already know that Taquan Finn's probably more than likely, um. Unfortunately, out. We're assuming, but Rocky Lombardi. Not for not for being hurt, but did he ever come back in last week? I don't think he ever did.
1: I don't think so. Um, it might be the wrong question too. The question I can't believe we're asking this, but like, should he play? I mean, like that's your guy, right? He has to. He has to go. It's not like Ethan Hampton is. Giving you so much that you're like, oh, we have to play this guy now or we're screwed. Right. 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 Um I'm trying to look up his stat line from the game. He was 13 of 23 for 97 yards. It wasn't any through two picks. Like yeah. Like if he's healthy, I think Lombardi plays. It's going to be really,
0: really hilarious when NIU ends up winning like 14 to 12.
1: That might be how they have to do it. Uh, The line on this game is really weird. Uh, It's Toledo 13 and a half. I don't know if that's a reaction to Finn. I don't know if that's just like if it's just the helmet game thing that this game tends to historically has always been close. I have no idea what's going on here, but like Toledo was a three touchdown favorite versus WMU a week ago. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Something's something feels weird there. So I we could be in for some weirdness, but like I said, Finn or not, that offense still looks fantastic. Although NIU has been playing better defensively lately. I don't know. I think I'm just trying to talk myself into it. Try to talk myself into a classic.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. This is like this week is like the um, like the Kevin James meme special. Like Eastern Central, like. Ne- as much as I've said like good things about Chase Bauer, not an effective passer. Good good as hell, strong runner. Eastern Michigan, of course, has quarterback struggles. Could be a muddy game like that. Could be a really muddy game uh, with some quarterbacking. Uh, Buffalo, you've... What? What's going on, man? Owen 4 what's going on, guys? What's going on? Uh... Ball State Western Michigan I that's not like a lovely matchup either could be fun for Western but more than likely not um yeah for like all of like our uncertainty of like this conference's like level of quarterbacking as a whole say for DJ Arienti who had a apparently like a turnaround game last week um I don't know man this is this is a really good week for everybody to show like just how bad we are like as a whole for quarterbacking. And I really hope it doesn't come to that. Um, But between like some poor performances, but between us saying is Rocky Lombardi even, should he even play anymore? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he will. But I'm not impressed with the way that the most important position in this conference has been playing as a whole. And this has been not just like a new problem that like we've brought up before. Like we've talked about this last year. Mm
1: Yeah, we saw it coming. Um, yeah, and to drive home the point, uh for ESPN, WMU's Tracy Borgay had a QBR of eleven. He was not the worst MAC quarterback by that metric on Saturday. <laughs> eleven.
0: That's not that's not right. That doesn't that doesn't deserve to be right.
1: It it doesn't. I was very shocked looking it up. Um A lot of slop this week, but we know something weird is going to happen. It has to, right? I don't think this the week can't just go clean chalk. It's not like it never happens, but someone's going to be in a game that doesn't expect to. If you had to pick um, of the favorites, who's going to be in a game that should not be in one? I guess I would – according to the line, Central Michigan is more than a touchdown favorite over Eastern Michigan, so I'll talk them in here. Which one's more likely to be in a dogfight, Central, Toledo, or Miami?
0: Mm, I think I think Central. Maybe it's because I'm yeah, a holder right so now, too. but I don't know. I, I like Eastern has like Eastern still has like enough good parts for me to be like, okay, you guys are gonna have to come through at some point. Um but being a road trip, I don't know if that's gonna have anything to do with it. Maybe not. This is a team that usually plays well on the road. And if like they force enough bad decisions out of the quarterback at Central, you know, there could be hell to pay. But you know, Eastern, like, just got to not throw itself off the field. It has to actually, like, do well in the pass game. I don't know. It's it's looking really, really bad, at, like, in that, that sector. But everything else is fine. <laughs> everything else is cool.
1: Everything else looks great. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I happen to think,
0: um, not Buffalo, telling anybody bu- I'm, I'm just going to interrupt money, you, man. I happen
1: to think that. Buffalo, Akron is going to be a shit storm.
0: That's, it's going to be a shit storm. Shit storm with that. Buffalo Akron shitstorm.
1: This game intrigues me because, like, Akron is kind of this is about the part of the schedule we thought we would be like, all right, we're finally seeing like what Joe Moorhead's Akron is going to look like. And so, if the game against Indiana was sort of like an announcement of their arrival, I guess, as a by arrival, I don't mean like contenders, but like they could go six and six like this is sort of the prove it game. And then sure. it's intriguing on the other side because Buffalo finally has good quarterback play again and it hasn't mattered. <laughs> and they are going to they have to be like one of the more desperate football teams in America going into that game. So like I think Akron could be in some trouble just because Buffalo is going to have to like exercise some demons. Um but I mean it's a huge opportunity for Akron. And I'm curious to see if they seize it.
0: They better because I'm looking at uh, a preview on Game on Paper. Um, I'm gonna tell you the uh, the pre- I'm gonna give you the stat line, and you guess what percentile Akron's in. Okay, we're just gonna do like three of them really quickly. Uh, starting field position, what percentile is Akron in? Uh,
1: second.
0: Ninth, ninth percentile. They usually start Ouch. on the opponent's forty-nine. Damn good success rate.
1: Wait, is this overall rank or percentile? The percentile. ninth percentile would be bad.
0: I'm sorry. Hold on. Overall rank. I'm sorry. It's, oh. u- it's usually percentile there, but it says. Well, either percentile. way, I was really, I
1: was really wrong. Yeah, you were really wrong.
0: Yeah, number nine. It's green. It's good. All right. Success rate ranked. Um, 90. Even worse, 118, 36%. All right, Thanks. last one, last one. Total EPA. Oh,
1: like 115.
0: Even worse than you think, number 130. Oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, not exact, like, you think Joe Moorehead, middle. We'll call it. We're we're approaching middle of the season. We're about there, right? Middle-ish of this season in year two. Number one ranked one thirtieth in the country in total EPA. That's not exactly what we had in store, especially with you know all the returning, you know some of the returning pieces that they had, some of the talent that they were able to get through the transfer portal. Well, or-
1: you're you're banking on getting. The DJ Irons you saw against Indiana. If you get that, then they're not nearly as bad on offense as they've shown.
0: You know what else we're banking on? We're banking on Joe Moorhead being able to capture the same amount of lightning that, no pun intended, that Sean Lewis was able to at Kent State. In like in a super unreasonable amount of time. When Sean Lewis and Joe Moorhead are both probably working at much different paces. Like Sean Lewis was Angling to get out as quick as he can, yeah. as a very very well, young head coach, Joe Moorhead. I don't know, that. man. Probably posturing to are, be okay to be there for a seventh year.
1: Are we saying that we're expecting him to catch lightning? I mean, all I'm, I'm saying, saying is that they have an opportunity to beat an 0 and four Buffalo team. I'm not saying that they're like it, it's a prove it game for Akron because of who Akron is. This wouldn't be a prove it game for anybody else.
0: No, but how else like are you gonna? How else are you gonna be Akron and win the MAC East? By not capturing lighting.
1: Oh, well, they're not going to do that this year.
0: Well, right, obviously, but it's evident at this point. But that could have been, but like with, you know, all the tools that, you know, some of the newer tools like via rule changes that are at your disposal, you know, that process could speed up a little bit more. But at the end of the day, you're still Akron.
1: I will say with a quarterback like DJ Arons, so though, they're going to beat somebody. They're going to cost someone a season. It's either going to be like, they're they're either going to beat Ohio, which we know there's history there, or they're going to beat somebody like, like they're going to beat Miami who is like needs every win to keep pace with Ohio. Like they're going to do something like that.
0: Are we just going to like totally not talk about Miami at all? Like, are we just gonna do Miami erasure here?
1: Well, no, but they they got the they got the Cincinnati win. They were fine and comfortable against Delaware State as expected. We expect them to roll this Did week. you
0: expect sixty two points? I don't care if Delaware State is like, you know, just just cones out there, but
1: no, I mean points? I think but not because they couldn't like I didn't ex- it's not that I wouldn't have expected them to do it I mean they scored 41 against UMass so I mean I guess yeah. yeah it's totally in the realm of possibility I just thought that they might not like lose focus but I didn't think they would have the throttle down like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that's the thing to me that like makes this team scary is that they, they seem to be they're just still accelerating man and they Schedule game: Kent State, Bowling Green, Western Michigan. Next up, this team's probably bowl eligible before the middle of October. Um, and then they play. Then it's Toledo and Ohio, and then Akron. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what what makes Akron scary with with irons is that like a team like Miami is going to just be on a hot streak. Like, say they mm-hmm. beat one of Toledo or Ohio, and then they take a weird loss to Akron, that costs them the season. Or they on the table. I mean, maybe let's, maybe we just buy all the way in on Miami. Are you bought all the way in on Miami? I'm,
0: hey man, I, I, I said the arguments there. Like I've, I wouldn't be surprised and I won't be surprised if Miami comes away with a double digit win season total to here. Like I won't be surprised when that happens. Um, I, we did a, say
1: that on the season preview, did I we did? not? I did. That this was a, that this was like a, not like New Year's Six or anything like that, but like if you were looking for a 10-win team that people aren't talking about, it's probably the one.
0: Yeah, and I didn't expect Gage Larvadain to just be amazing. 18 catches, 438 yards, four tutties this year. We're not really seeing that out of the rest of the league. Toledo's... They are
1: very exciting. Um, Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's that Toledo and Ohio stretch. It's obviously gonna determine everything. Uh very unfortunate crossover slate for them to draw Toledo in this of all years, but No man, hey, man, we've been
0: wanting this. We've been waiting a long time for this to happen. I don't think they played last year, did they? Doesn't matter. Uh, Miami hasn't it. played in the glass bowl in so long. Or no, this is at this is in Oxford.
1: That's a Jaeger. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hasn't happened in Jaeger in so long. I don't know, man. I'm excited for it. Probably, what's gonna suck is that if they end up playing each other twice. I don't really want to see a rematch of it in the Mac title game, but beggars can't be choosers, I guess.
1: Oh no, no, uh, you're. I mean, obviously, you would like to see Eastern go, but like, Eastern aside, do you really want to see any of the other teams there? <laughs> like, if if you have to go to watch that game, like, like which two teams would I'd rather see? yeah like if it can't be eastern you're ops you're definitely gonna take a toledo miami rematch
0: uh i don't know man over any of the other ones ohio i'm still like ohio i still like ohio but miami's miami's looking really fucking good man if the mac championship game were tomorrow sure i would take them but on the whole i just i don't know man i'm a weirdo i just don't want to see the same teams play twice
1: yeah, I feel you on that. Right now, I'm what I'm cheering for more than anything in the world is for Ohio and Miami to not take any more losses before they play on Halloween weekend in Athens. Mm. That would be a good sign. Uh, looking at Ohio's schedule, should be doable. Kent State, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. No reason to think that they won't.
0: They're taking a nap this week, too.
1: Yep. They, yeah, you got to get that bye week like, before you play Kent is, State at home. You know,
0: this is the best perk of Ohio schedule this year, which like was baked in from the uh, the San Diego State scheduling in week zero, was that they were going to have this bye week, and also the the bullshit you know a couple days yeah. off bye week. The, that has.
1: the Bobcats do not play consecutive games on the road. That's so good this season. <sighs> Like this is a this is the schedule to end all schedules. Yeah, I'm I'm getting like pretty excited about that Halloween game. You know I'm gonna be for Halloween? What? This guy. And boom goes the dynamite.